Um, open your Bibles to 1 John 2.2. We're going to uh, eventually get there. 1 John 2 and 2. Amen. I'm preaching on standing on the finished work of Christ. We went over standing on the promises uh, a couple of Sundays ago and how that Christ is God's amen to every promise He has ever made to us as believers. How many remember that? A couple, three weeks back we went over that. It is because of Christ's obedience, however, even unto the death of the cross, that qualified Him to be God's amen. Remember, He had to pray in the garden, Lord, not my will, but Thine be done. Henceforth, because of His actions and subsequent positioning, that He became the one and only mediator between God and man. We're going to talk about Jesus being our mediator. Jesus being the one. A mediator was required between God and man because God is holy and man was not. Even those who kept the law perfectly. The Bible says, uh, Paul said in Galatians, remember, that no man is justified by the works of the law. Paul declared himself to be perfect where it came to righteousness that's in the law. And yet he said he was the chief of sinners. So no one was holy in comparison to God. There also could not be any such mediator unless God himself should provide. And this he did in the person of his own son. Every demand of his holiness was met in Christ alone, who as substitute bore the judgment which God in righteousness must impose. You know, we talk about God being loving and merciful and forgiving, but the only reason He can be is because, first of all, He's just. And He rules and reigns in injustice. Amen? In other words, He didn't just look at us and feel sorry for us and think, well, I'll just figure out some way to help them. But He had to put all the judgment that should have been ours on Christ for the sacrifice to count. Amen? Think of that. We've been made just because we've been made so by a just God. How many believe that, that God is just and God is um, completely holy? So He had to provide that. Anyway, Jesus bore the judgment which God in righteousness must impose. He had to do it, otherwise... He would have tainted his own perfection, his own holiness, and every interest of the sinner was provided for in the marvels of saving grace which were set free through the death and resurrection of Christ. In other words, Christ, was, Christ had become the one and only ground of meeting between God and man. 
He is the propitiation for our sins. Now we're, now we're to 1 John 2, 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. Praise God. Now, the only thing we can do where it comes to the sin question is accept Jesus as our propitiation. We just have to lean on Him. We can't do anything to pay. Anybody here ever missed it? Don't raise your hand. You can poke your neighbor if you want. You know, you know about. Anybody here ever missed it? Anybody ever sinned? Did you ever have a feeling of uh, guilt or whatever about that? And then you wanted to fix it. You wanted to do something about it sometimes. You know, maybe you wanted to, to show the Lord something from your heart. But we're found always wanting, aren't we, in that? Always lacking. There's just no need in trying, almost, to come up with something. The only thing you can do is have faith. The only thing you can do is believe, call on the name of the Lord, not only for salvation originally, but also for every uh, drop of redemptive blessing that you walk in the rest of your life. We have to lean on the same truth. Christ died for us. He paid the price for us. The only thing we can do is accept that continually to say thank you Jesus for what you did for me there is no other way sometimes people you know have self imposed uh penalty penance they'll do penance self imposed and it's certainly not god imposing it he imposed it on christ are you listening we have faith in him he is the propitiation for our sins praise god aren't you glad for that cuz nothing we can do measures up because it's, it's like, you know, sinner, save yourself. <laughs> well, if we could do that, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. We can't save ourselves. How many know that? Not for ours only, it says, but also for the sins of the entire world. Christ himself said, I am the light and I am the door. And finally, I am the way. He finally, these are the things he said. He said, I am the light, I am the door on another occasion. And then finally he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I've mentioned this before, that in some places it's almost becoming hate speech to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's supposed, well, there's all these other religions, and they've got good morals, and they've got good ideas, and their leader was a you know, a person that was a holy man or something. Some people say, well, we believe that Jesus was, you know, a good man. And, of course, the argument to that is, well, if if you believe that he is a good man, but yet you don't believe that he's the Son of God, you don't believe all the messianic things that the Word says about him, then you have to come to a conclusion Either he was insane or he was dishonest because he said himself that he was the Son of God. He said himself these things about himself. He said, I am the way. He's the one that said, no man comes to the Father but by me. So how can you believe that he was a good man and yet not believe what he said about himself? So either he was a bad man and a liar or... He was insane. You can't, there's no, there's no other, there's no other conclusion. So 
it, it's put to us in this way about Christ. Not only as our Savior, but as our Keeper. Praise God. Amen? He is the only door. Thank you, Jesus. So if that becomes something you go to jail for eventually, I guess, you know, your pastor here will be the first one there. Because I won't stop proclaiming that. Because if we don't proclaim that Jesus is the way, we don't have Christianity anymore. I don't know what we have. We have something. Smorgasbord. We should put a big sign, Smorgasbord. Pick, pick what you want to believe. All right, so Jesus said those things. He said, no man. How many? None. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And then, first, if you want to look, First Timothy 2.5, uh, For there is one God. How many believe that? There's only one God. And one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So here we have, that's, that's the introduction. <laughs> to stand on this finished work of Christ, we're talking about, remember we were talking about standing on the promises. And the promises are sealed with Christ. He is God's amen. All, when we say the name of Jesus, we are declaring an amen, an agreement to all the promises that Christ fulfilled. Praise the Lord. So now we're talking about standing on the finished work. Is it finished or not? Did Jesus, was his last words on the cross, it is started. <laughs> and you're going to finish it. You know, well, we've had whole denominations that's tried to have that as their theme. They said uh, we're the, we, we should have been the first church of the old foolish Galatians because I, are you so foolish what did Paul say to the Galatians in chapter three? He says, "Are you so foolish that you think you're going to start in the flesh and be perfect? I mean, start in the spirit and be perfected in the flesh." And I think, as a young person, that's what I tried to do. I can't blame anybody for that. You know, I can't blame the preachers or the teachers that I had because I had a Bible too and I could read English. I'm not sure how well I spoke English, but I could read it. Hallelujah. But uh, in understanding it, I think I tried that, maybe as a young person. I think I tried to be perfected in the flesh. And what happens when you try that? You're constantly met with disappointment, aren't you? Because of failure. And then you think because you've, you know, had a problem in some way uh, as a young person, that every time you make a mistake, you're the same as a sinner. And every uh, Mark and I were talking about it. Some of us were raised on the same manna here. Praise the Lord. We ate the same food, and uh, it was easy to spend every Sunday night at the altar, trying to sort of resave yourself in a way. Uh, and the devastation of that for your for your faith is not good, because you 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 never feel accepted. You never feel approved by God. You're always trying to gain that. You're always trying to work and get there. But thank God we can read the Bible. Amen? Thank God that 2 Corinthians 5.20 in the Amplified Bible says that He has made us what we ought to be, approved and accepted of the Lord. So we need to make that our belief and our confession. 
you know, even if you don't feel so accepted. You ever had, don't go by how you feel. Like one preacher said, if I went by how I felt, some days I would just say I don't even know, you know, if I'm saved. If you went by how you felt. Don't go by how you feel, go by what the Word says. Praise the Lord. And the Word says that we're approved, accepted. That God looks at us as we are seen, viewed as. Viewed by who? Viewed by God. How many would like to get a view of yourself from God's angle? From God's perspective. Amen? Viewed as being. Not just saved and sanctified. Those are good things. But viewed as being the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who we are. So we need to get a view of ourselves. Well, uh, Brother Pace and I were talking the other day on the phone about this and said, well, it's easy to not feel like you're the righteousness of God in Christ, right? It's easy to believe that you're not because you can recount three or four mistakes you just made yesterday <laughs> or whatever, trying to drive on the freeways in Tampa. If you, you, you only thought you were sanctified until you got on 275 and fighting the road rage people. Maybe you turned into the road rage person and you really felt like you missed it. You know. And uh, said something you shouldn't have and blamed it on Greek. Praise the Lord. You know, people say, excuse my French. Uh, French, that's it. French. We won't pick on the Greeks here. We're too close to Tarpon Springs to start a, start an uprising. People say things and they say, "Excuse my French," and you knew it well that it wasn't French. Praise the Lord. So then you think, "Well, you know, am I even saved?" Acting like that, and you begin to question your own walk with the Lord. Maybe you just got in the flesh and made a mistake. You know, goof, goofed up. But thank God for for who the Word says that we are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And let me remind you of something. You know, Paul even told the fornicators. Can you imagine that? The fornicators at Corinth. You know, we could have called Corinth the first church of the fornicators. Because it says there, Paul said, it's commonly reported. In other words, it's not just a one-time incident. Not just one goofball in the church. It says it's commonly reported that there's fornication going on here. And what did he say? Now you bunch of dirty sinners. You're rotten to the car. Called them names. No, he said, no you not. In other words, have you forgotten who you are? He says, no you not that you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that something? Even that bunch with their awful sin he didn't beat them over the head and call them names no, he told them, he said, you've forgotten who you are, I'm going to remind you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he says, did you join Christ with a harlot? And then, uh, you know, the obvious answer is no. And so he reminded them. Uh, in other words, he got them to a place of repentance, all right. A place, what does that mean? A place to change their mind turn towards God and God's program and get off of their flesh program and get onto God's program. He got them to a place of repentance, but he didn't do it by condemning them. He got them there by reminding them of the goodness of God and who they are 
and who God's made them to be. He told them you're bought with a price, you're not your own. He told them the value that they are to God. Isn't that something? I think that's a better way to deal with sin, don't you, than to just beat up people and tell them what scallywags they are, other, other French words that you might come up with. So what do we have? See, what do we have? He says, uh, the fit, to stand on this finished work of Christ, here's what we have. We, with, with him in his current active role as what? What is he? He's our mediator and intercessor. Aren't you glad we've got him? Aren't you glad we've got the, our propitiation for sins? Aren't you glad we're not held accountable, so to speak, on every little jot and tittle and try to keep a, the new law as opposed to the old one? Thank God for His grace. Amen? Thank God for His role as mediator intercessor. It affords us the following three privileges available exclusively to the redeemed. Uh, membership has benefits. Praise God. Membership into the hall of the redeemed has benefits. And we need to take a we need to take advantage, full advantage of what God has afforded us that was not afforded before. Number one, what do we have? Access into the grace of God because of Christ and His current role. Active role. Access into the, to the grace of God. Romans 5.2 says, By whom, talking about Jesus, also, we have access into this grace. It is through Christ and Him alone that we have access into the grace of God. We are first saved by grace, and then we're kept by grace. We're not saved by grace and then kept by our effort. <laughs> Amen. Aren't you glad for that? If you ever feel, I'm going to help you out with your Christianity a little bit today. If you ever feel far from God, if you ever feel that you've, you know, drifted, if you ever, anybody ever felt that way, you're, you're not, you, people will say, I don't feel as close to the Lord as I used to feel. When I pray, it's, it seems like it rings hollow. I don't, you know, I don't have that same sense of assurance or whatever. I'll tell you how to get back there real quick. Just start thanking God for His grace. See, don't talk about yourself. Talk about Jesus. You want to feel close to Jesus, talk about Him. Praise Him. Thank Him. See, people, they want to talk about themselves. Well, Lord, you know what a mess up I am. You know how awful, you know. Regurgitated flesh. It's bad enough that you, that you yielded to flesh. Now you're going to talk about it. Please spare God and everybody. Amen. Just get back over on His grace and His goodness and His mercy. Start talking about what He's done. You know, Camden about started a revival 20 minutes ago. Just preaching the gospel. Just talking about the gospel. But the gospel is our connection. The gospel is everything. The gospel is the good news. It includes everything. Praise God. Start preaching the gospel to yourself. 
say, well, I'm just so discouraged. Well, number one, stop saying that in the name of Jesus. I'll turn all word of faith on you real quick, you know. Correct your confession. But I'm so discouraged. Well, here, okay, do you want to stay there? Should I agree with you? Praise God. Whether to agree on touching anything, it shall be done. Praise God, Lord. Let them go from discouragement to despair in the name of Jesus. We'll agree. No, <laughs> we're not going to talk about how discouraged we are or how despairing we are, but what we're going to do is talk about how great God is. So start, pray the gospel out in your prayer. Start begin, start praying. Say, Father, I thank you that you're God. You made heaven and earth and all that's in heaven and earth. I thank you that you made the stars and the heavens. I thank you, Lord, that you made all the animals and all the plants, and I thank you that you made me. Praise God. And, Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to, to, to come to be born of a virgin. See, you just preach the, you pray the gospel. I thank you that, that uh, J- Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived. He healed the sick. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. I thank you that Jesus was obedient even to the death of the cross. He died on the cross. He shed his blood for me. Hallelujah. He raised up for me and for my justification. And I died with Him. And I was buried with Him. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And now I'm raised up in new life with Him. Hallelujah. And You caused us, Father, to be seated together with Him in heavenly places. And that's where I am. Now, now You've gone from discouragement and despair, and You're up here sitting with Jesus. That's all you have to do. And I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm a son of God, or I'm a daughter of God, and I've got the victory because Jesus got it for me. See, that'll that'll get you out of the dump. Amen? Well, I'm just so discouraged, Pastor. Well, if you tell me that, that's the message you're going to hear. We had a guy one time, I pastored a church in Alabama at the beach. I was beaching and preaching, praise the Lord. <laughs> and uh, so I'm at the beach, and we have a church, and I encourage, I preached like that a lot in those days, you know, a lot of just faith builder things, you know, encouragement. And um, I told people, I said, if you, come from, if you come to me for counseling, I said, I'm not going to sit and listen to your problems for three hours. I said, I'm gonna, I'll, we'll identify the problem, and then we're going to get into the Word, and I'm going to tell you what the Word says about it, and I'm going to issue you a challenge. Are you going to do the Word or not? Well, you know, that kind of cuts down on the counseling calls. Because, you know, sometimes folks just want to, they want you to not be the pastor, they want you to be the psychiatrist. But I don't have a degree in that or anything. So, you know, I'm not very good at that. And I don't, I don't have access to drugs either to, you know, to, to knock you out. Um, but I said I'll, I'll just I will encourage you, but I'm going to tell you what the Word says. I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did. That's what I'm going to do. Well, we had one guy that finally said that he was going to, you know, he was just going through some stuff. And he said, I, I I really think I need to talk to the pastor. So he said he drove up to the church and he saw my car there. You know, I was there doing something in the day, and he drove up and. He saw my car and thought, well, the pastor's in. He's here. There's his car. 
And he says, I started to get out of the car and I thought about what you said, about what you're going to preach to me. And I thought, well, I already know that. And I said, nah, I ain't going to try this. <laughs> well, hopefully my uh, bedside manner has improved since those days. Thank God. A little maturity with it. But there is still a great truth there, isn't there? You know, eventually, no matter how long we rehearse problems, we've eventually got to get over to what does the Bible say. Is there any provision for this in our redemption? Did Jesus die for this problem too? Or is this one the exemption? It's good stuff, isn't it? You know, I like... Um, I'll just take a little side journey here just for a moment about this about access into the grace of God. It's important that we understand that we have this huge treasure trove of God's grace and goodness that's available to us. And I don't think we take advantage of it like we should. It's like we're going to get a point with God for seeing how long we can hold out before we need more grace. But we might as well just jump in and wallow in it. Hallelujah. In His grace. Just, just let it cover us. And I think about David at Ziklag. I like to preach that message, but we won't add that one today. But David at Ziklag, you know, the Bible says he, remember the enemy came in and they took all the women and children and all the livestock and everything and anything of value, and then they burnt their houses to the ground. So men, David and his men got there and saw this scene. And the Bible says they wept until they had no more power to weep. And then the Bible says that um, eventually uh, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I love those words. Brothers and sisters, I tell you, there comes a time if you're not there today, you'll be there at some point. And I'm not, I'm not prophesying a, something bad on you. It's just life. But there's times in our life when we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And uh, that's a good thing to learn to do, isn't it? And how do you do it? I just demonstrated it. Preach, pray. I say preach it. You kind of preach it through your prayer. Pray the gospel out. Pray the good news story, and you'll get to a place of victory. So we have access to the grace of God. Amen. Number two, we have access. What's our privileges? The three privileges. Number two, we have access into fellowship with God. This is something that's exclusive to the redeemed to the believer. All communion and fellowship with God is on the basis alone of the person and work of Christ. Now let's turn in our Bibles, we'll read a few verses here. Let's turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, we're going to begin reading at verse 19. You getting anything out of this today? Thank you. Praise the Lord three people. Hebrews chapter 10, and then we're going to begin reading at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, uh, or some translations say boldness, we have confidence or boldness to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. How do we enter that holy place? By what? By our good deeds? 
by our Sunday school attendance badges, you know, 25 years and never missed a class. Is that how we enter? Tithing record. Those are all good things. Amen. Tithing's good. You'll never hear a pastor say it's not unless he's out of his mind. Uh, you'll never hear, you know, that attendance is a bad thing. It's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing to gather together, isn't it? Worship together. Encourage one another. I'm encouraged this morning already. Well, but how do we enter into the holy place? By our record or by the blood of Jesus? By the blood of Jesus. Amen? By the new and living way, not the old and dying way, <laughs> that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, see, again, talking about Jesus and His mediation Role, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Praise the Lord. So we have boldness to enter into fellowship with God, so we ought to just do it as often as we can. Amen. Father, I'm here to fellowship with you. And my wife and I, we, you know, for many years we were on staff there at Kenneth Hagen Ministries, and we had a, a healing center that was open uh, during the week. And uh, five days a week, I think it's been cut back now, I understand, but in those days, the early days of it, late 70s, early 80s, we had uh, five days a week, we had sometimes as many as three sessions a day for people that were sick and seeking healing. We had this one little lady. I was I was uh, talking to Shree about this. And when when uh, when Brother Pace was teaching us on the prayer on the prayer summit, he was talking about uh, one of the prayers uh, being fellowship with God, fellowshipping, ministering. I think the way it was put it was ministering under the Lord. Same thing fellowshipping with God, ministering unto the Lord. Not really a prayer of petition, you understand? Not really asking the Lord for anything. Not really demanding anything in faith or authority. But just re- just, just, just hanging out, if you want to say. Modern vernacular. Hanging out with, with the Father. It, it's a cool thing for somebody to say, hey, I've come over, just hang out with you. Uh, uh a son, a father, somebody like that. You know, somebody you're close to. Amen? Just want to hang out with you. Just want to be with you. Don't even have to do anything all that spectacular. Just want to be be there. Amen? So this is the way it is. Fellowshipping, we, we understand. Say, so what does it mean to fellowship with God? It means the same thing as fellowshipping with one another. Just being with people that you enjoy. Being people that there's a love and a connection. And so he mentioned in that ministering unto the Lord, and I was reminded of something that I wanted to add to this today about fellowshipping with God. And I encourage you to fellowship with the Lord. I encourage you to pray. When you have a need, don't hesitate. Go get your need met, praise the Lord. Get in there. Remember what's the first access? Grace. Praise God. God's gift to you is His grace. 
And in His grace is everything that you need. So redemption covers it all. So praise the Lord. Don't hesitate. But on the other hand, there's times when, you know, you feel like, well, I've covered everything that would have a need for the Lord to, to be working in my life. But now I just want to fellowship with the Lord. And you know what? It's not for the purpose of getting more anointing or more power or to come out and people ooh and awe at the halo glow behind your head. And the one lady came and said that somebody had a purple aura. She was sure she saw it, you know. And, uh, you know, you, you get all kinds of crazy things. And it, especially the early days of charismatic meetings, dear God, people would say really strange things to you. Like, for example, one time I was playing the organ, you know, at Brother Hagin's meeting, and it was a real kind of upbeat Pentecostal song, you know, and the Leslie's were, were wailing and everything was going, and one lady was sure that the organ was speaking in tongues. And I said, well, that'll... I said, the Hammond Organ Company in Chicago, Illinois, will be very interested in knowing how that happened. I don't think so. And then another lady came down the aisle. We had a guy playing a, 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 a Yamaha piano, you know, and it had to, it was an electric grand. You remember those? And they had big chrome letters across the back that said Yamaha. And she came down the aisle and she was speaking in tongues and about every fourth tongue you could hear the word Yamaha come out. Yamaha was part of her other tongues which is interesting since it's a Japanese name. But anyway, uh, she came out with her, you know, whatever, and, and she was kind of doing the, the you know, the, th- the Pentecostal jerk thing there, you know, and then every now and then a Yamaha would come out. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. And she came up and she told the guy that was playing the piano, she says, I've been praying in tongues and I, this word Yamaha comes out and now I know what it means. The Lord's anointed you to play the Yamaha. And then she went down the aisle back. We never saw her again. I suppose she's going around giving these words. So, you know. But sometimes we, I think we got the impression that Practicing the presence of the Lord or being in fellowship with God was to come away with some spectacular uh, new anointing or something on you, you know, that's obvious to other people. But it's not that. In other words, there's really not an agenda. In fellowshipping with God, there's not an agenda other than fellowshipping with God and understanding what a tremendous privilege that the Old Testament man did not have access into that holiest place with God because the mediator was has not come on the scene yet. But thank God Jesus has come. And the Comforter has come. And therefore we can go right into, the, this is what the book of Hebrews says here, into the holiest place. Into the most holy place we can go into uh, His, uh, his uh, presence. Amen? Praise God. And so we have, we have a, an access to that, and it should be our privilege. Now, what I was telling you about healing school is there, my wife and I were talking last, last Sunday. There was this woman that came to healing school, and she, had, she was like all crippled up. You ever seen somebody that's like rheumatoid arthritis or something? And it was so bad, she really should have been in a wheelchair, and she just, you know, was determined not to get in one. She thought she'd never get out if she ever got in, which is likely. And so she had a walker. Now, she was 
she was up in years, but she had a walker, and, and her little fingers, you ever seen this? It's very sad. Her little fingers were just, you know, looked like driftwood. I mean, it was just all gnarled up and fingers going all the wrong way. She had no use of her hands. She somehow would sort of just grip that edge of that walker and kind of hobble along. She was as stiff as a bunch of plumbing pipes. I mean, nothing moved. Every joint was stiff. She could barely shuffle her feet. Well, you know, now this is the heyday of the faith movement. We've got people on all kinds of programs. We've got her making confessions. We've got her, you know, we've got intercessors interceding with, you know, with her out of the room, other prayers with her in the room. Soaking prayers, special anointing, oil brought from the Holy Land. You name it. You know, we've done it. We've got her jumping for joy. We've got her, you know, praising the Lord. We've got her doing, you know, all these things and, uh, and carrying on in, uh, in, in, such a, in such a way. And so uh, um, nothing. She's no better. She's not any better whatsoever. She's just there all just bent up and stiffened up and and uh, I'm thinking nothing's working I mean you know we know Jesus it's God's will to heal her she's just all just as sick as she was you know you almost want to tell her maybe you chose the wrong ministry or something <laughs> because you're not getting any better and uh, once you try somebody else send her to California or somewhere I don't know but we one day I felt impressed with the Lord. I prayed and I said, Now Lord, not only her, but we got a bunch of others that just don't seem to be getting anywhere where where healing is concerned. We got a bunch of other folks that don't seem to be getting anywhere where, you know, their needs are being met. So I, yeah, I just kind of felt impressed. Let's just have a session where we just fellowship with the Lord. This thing that I'm talking about right here, this number two. Just fellowship with God. Just enter in and just sort of hang out in the Holy of Holies and worship Him and just bask in His presence. Well, we got to doing that. And I, I told Shri to come play the piano and I said, don't play a song that anybody knows because folks will just by default start singing. And I said, they'll just, then they'll just focus on singing big instead of, you know, just entering in. So I said, play, but you have to play like ethereal stuff that nobody can pick out. So she's doing that. And with sort of a background, and we're just worshiping, and we're just singing, and we're just, uh, you know, whatever, worship, singing in the spirit, whatever you want to do, you know, we're just hanging out with the Lord. And I noticed this little lady, the one with all the gnarled hands and everything, she got all, she's there and she's trying to worship and she's all just stove up, as they used to say, you know, like a stovepipe. And I watched her as she entered into the presence of God, as she began to just be in His presence. And her little face is smiling, you know, there's almost a light on it, so to speak, you know, and just, just brightened up. And I watched her. We watched every single joint come loose. And her fingers started, the swelling started going down on her knuckles, on her joints, you know. Her fingers became loose. Her arms became loose. Her legs became loose. 
she got so caught up in the presence of God and in His presence. How many believe there's healing in His presence? How many believe there's goodness and good things there? She got so caught up in Him and in the glory, she forgot about her illness and the thing left her. I mean, she was instantly, in a sense, instantly over about five minutes, set free. And she was away from her walker, and she was uh, her arms were free, her hands were free. You know, all the stuff we preach that we believe. <laughs> Imagine that actually happened. <laughs> you know, we'll take persecution for divine healing. It's just as long as we don't see much of it, you know. But, uh, I mean, she was absolutely just set free, her hands and her knuckles and everything, and she's praising God and carrying on. And she forgot about all of us. And we got right in front of her because we wanted to see what happened to her when she realizes she's healed. She doesn't even know it. She didn't even care anymore. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that a kind of a faith? And she got it. And, and so, you know, eventually she's coming out of her trance almost, really. And she's got her. She she reaches in her pocketbook to get a little Kleenex out, you know, because she's got some tears and all. And when she saw her hands, she stopped and froze, and her eyes got big. And she said, "Why, why, why, why? I'm healed. Look!" And of course, the place, you know, there's not a dry eye. We're already boohoo, and you know, just seeing. The glory of God on her. Where did she get her healing? Was it from her tremendous faith of quoting the Scripture and confessing everything? Her militaristic word of faith thing that we could get people into. No. She went into the throne room. She took advantage of her access of fellowship. And she came out completely whole. Amen. She really did touch the hem of his garment. She literally did get in God's presence. Amen? What does the Bible say about his presence? In his presence, there's what? Fullness of joy. Finally, number three, access to God in prayer. And uh, I wanted to uh, read this to you from a book that I have on grace, a, a new book on grace that was printed in 1922. <laughs> for this uh, new grace controversy all the way from 1922. And I want you to hear this. Christ is the only access to God in prayer. How misleading is the supposition that anyone can reach the ear of God who will simply speak to Him? Apart from the mediator, Christ Jesus, there is no access to God in prayer and there can be no real prayer. The new basis of prayer in the present relationship to God is that prayer is to be made in the name of Jesus Christ. And, of course, I agree with what uh, Brother Pace said uh, last week is that, you know, we're not making a formula out of this. You know, you can, you can talk directly to Jesus. I believe you can. You, but everything that we have, the reason we have access into God's ear is because of Jesus. It's because of He made a way. Amen? We used to sing old songs about He made the way. This is revealed by Christ in the upper room as a part of the unfolding of the glories of His grace. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And He says, um, 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. God receives all, see, and here's the, here's the balance on this. God receives all his children when they pray. Don't you love what Jesus said? He said, Father, I thank you. I thank thee that thou hearest me always when I pray. We need to have that assurance, don't we? But he receives them in Christ, and their prayer is effectual and prevailing only as it is in the name that is above every name and on the ground of the blood that has been shed. How important, again, that the saved one understand this truth and come to God with full heart acknowledgement of the mediator, Christ. The unsaved have... Now listen, this is going to shock you, but it's true. The unsaved have no access to God in prayer. But it is often asked, how then can they be saved if they cannot ask God to save them? The answer is simple. No person is ever saved because he asks God to do it. He is saved only through grace and only when he believes. Amen? That's why the first prayer that we need to lead people in is the prayer to receive Christ. Their prayer to receive God's grace. People sometimes get out there and start preaching to sinners some message of repentance or something, and it's like, well, what good does that do? Okay, so they ask God to forgive them for some individual sin. That sin's not their problem. Their problem is the lack of a mediator. Their problem is the lack of a of a of a, of a savior. Their problem is the lack of a sacrifice. For lack of sacrifice, you have to bring Christ to God from the beginning until the end. Amen? So God is offering salvation to men. He does not need to be implored or moved on their behalf. We don't have to say, oh, God, save all the sinners in Tampa. Well, what's He going to do that He hasn't already done? What, what is He going to offer that's not enough? He's already done all He can do to save Everybody in Tampa. The only problem is everybody in Tampa doesn't know about it. Hallelujah. Our job is to preach the good news. Can you say amen? He's has been moved already to give his son to die. What more could he do? And this marvelous gift of his grace is for all who will believe. So praise God. Just to go back over these truths just a moment. Again, no wonder the songwriter penned the lyrics of what a friend we have in Jesus with the immortal phrase, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I think we have to understand Christ's finished work and understand grace to real, for those words to mean anything to us. I mean, I've heard those words sung my entire life that I can remember. I don't ever remember not knowing the words to that song. But it, we don't really get how... We don't really get what a privilege it is until we understand some of these things. It's a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It is not a challenge to trust in God, to have and use faith, it is an honored privilege. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank God today for the Word. Thank God today for the truth. 
Father, we thank you for these three privileges that we heard about today. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to enter into your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to enter into a prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to fellowship and commune with you. And we do commune with you today. In fact, just do that just right now. Just enter into the, to the Holy of Holies.